Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Jason Ziak. Jason is an Associate Experience Director at Dell, where he leads a team of UX architects, designers, and content strategists for the customer shopping experience across the global Dell website. Jason is also a mentor for Block, an online learning program for aspiring developers and designers. Jason, being a digital design director with 16 years of experience, has helped brands such as AMC Theaters, Ben & Jerry's, Lagunitas Brewing Company, and Nationwide Insurance deliver impactful, user-centered experiences to a range of audiences. Jason's training and experiences have helped him thrive while solving complex challenges that unify research, strategy, content, brand, outstanding visual design, and innovation into an effective user experience. Jason also co-hosts the weekly podcast, Dig Me Out, a podcast dedicated to digging up lost college rock, alternative rock, indie rock, and hard rock of the 1990s. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Gary. I uh, I think I have an I can have some breaking news for your podcast. Uh, oh. I'm going to be uh, moving on from Dell soon, actually next week. So I'll have a new title and uh, place to add my resume. So I'll be uh, moving on to a new agency called context digital and i'll be the experience director there so congrats um, congratulations thank you yeah that's wow that's that's exciting news <laughs> yep we'll add that to the session notes great as well um so well we can talk about that in a minute but the, let's go I mean, i'm gonna like back up and look at the bigger picture of everything you've done mm-hmm. and and so the first thing is when i was researching um, you for the ep- this episode, I was surprised to find out that you have solely been working as an interactive designer since 1998. Yeah. So you've gone from fixed with table layouts <laughs> to responsive web design during that yeah. span. Yeah. So back in 1998, there weren't many resources out there to learn from, but mm-hmm. there wasn't as much to learn either as there is today, albeit with a ton of learning sources um, that are now available for everybody. Mm-hmm. So based on your experiences, which is easier, entering the field as an interactive designer in 1998 or now in 2016? Oh, my goodness. I, I think it was probably easier then because uh, expectations were so different. Uh, nobody really knew um, you know, what you could do with this medium and uh, there weren't any set patterns yet, really, and uh, you kind of was the Wild West. Um, obviously, the technology was a lot simpler. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, the constraints were a lot greater uh, coming out of, you know, graphic design education into uh, the web in 1998. You kind of had to leave a lot of what you learned about typography behind <laughs> and uh, because of the constraints of, you know, there weren't there was no web fonts. Uh, you, know, you had to live within the system fonts that existed, or get creative with, you know, cutting art as gra- uh, you know, graphics, uh, uh, text as graphics, and so. But you, um, you didn't have to deal with 
I think students now, um, you know, design systems. I mean, that's a pretty complicated, uh, you know, space to step into as a student right out of school. But that's basically what a responsive website is, right? It's a set of templates, but on top of that is a is a design library um, that needs to live and grow and live in different contexts and uh, have a ton of flexibility, but a lot of consistency. And, um, you know, it's, if you just speak about the web uh, by itself, I think it's a lot more com complex now than, than it was then. You know, I, I've been thinking about a, a lot about this lately. You mentioned the typography, you mentioned, you know, the, like there wasn't as much to learn, but I'm kind of, I debate that in my head. And mm. I, and, and the reason I keep saying that is I, I say that is aside from the ability to use web fonts that um, has been added, the basics were always there, whether, you know, adjusting the, the typography, I mean, adjusting the line height, adjusting the, um, the font size um, and, and the basics of layout were still there, but it seems like it was, good web typography, good layout of web typography wasn't really embraced back then. Am yeah. I, or am I just missing something? Or no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I think there were a couple, I think it was a mix of things that were lacking at the time. I don't think, you know, tables gave us the control that True. we that we wanted, uh, you know, over letting and kerning and, and just all of the finite control we wanted. Typefaces weren't really designed at that point in, in mass amounts for screens. So you had to deal with um, low resolution screens and then, you know, only a handful of, of um, typefaces that were actually designed for them. So a lot of, you know, classic uh, fonts just didn't look very good on screen, even when you converted them to, to graphics. Um, and it, we just, I think there's been a convergence of, of a lot of things to come together where, you know, the last, I don't know, five years or so, there's been a renaissance where I think as designers, you know, we can kind of go back, well, for those of us who've been doing this a little while, go back to our, what we learned, you know, in, in, in graphic design school and, and really start to not only apply it, but think about, okay, well, you know, if the, if a page has no bounds and, you know, the layouts are flexible now, what does that mean for typography? I don't even think we've begun to scratch the surface of that. You know, I think we're still very much, um, there's a lot of beautiful, uh, typography on the web now, which is really exciting, but I don't even think we've scratched the surface of, you know, what, what the, what that medium can do and, um, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries of it. I think we're just kind of getting comfortable with it and getting our feet under us. Yeah. Cause it's, I, I, I agree 100%. Cause I, you know, I, I just, I got a, I recently got the 27 inch iMac and mm -hmm. I, then I started looking at the, some of the websites I had designed just for my own personal use from in the classroom, which were designed mobile first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I didn't take into the large, large, large format context and the typography just looked awful. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Oh, I got to, <laughs> it's another yeah, thing. It's, <laughs> it's really, I was working on just a little side project, mostly just noodling, um, you know, in a browser and just, you know, laying out type and working through some ideas. And, um, we've put so much focus on mobile, which is great that there's this whole opportunity with large screens as our desktop machines get bigger and bigger and the resolutions get bigger and bigger. There's this opportunity there to really, I think, do some exciting stuff and use all the space available. And, um, you know, I think I was, you know, just starting to, in my own mind, get my head around what that could be. And, I'm really 
looking forward to seeing more people push that that boundary. Um, well, what do we need uh, as design educators? What do we need to do to kind of help foster that? Um, that wasn't an original. <laughs> that wasn't part of my <laughs> original line of questioning. But what do what do we do to push that that yeah, experimentation? Yeah, I, I think um, you know. It, there's needs to be, a, I think, a focus on innovation. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of the younger designers I've worked with in the last few years, um, they're learning, they're really good at diving in and learning, you know, code um, and being, you know, brave and taking on new things in that regard. But a lot of it is um, consumed around repeating patterns mm -hmm. and grid systems and, you know, existing frameworks and just overall conventions, you know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of what we're doing is, you know, designing uh, design systems and pattern libraries that are pretty much cookie cutter when you break down what the components are. You know, they might have a slight variety in them. There might be a little bit of change and obviously in style will, will change dramatically. But for the most part, it's, it's not incredibly innovative. Um, and I, I'm just hoping that um, you know, that comes from, from, you know, students graduating here now and, and for the coming years where they can put that, they can become competent at understanding, you know, sort of the existing systems and patterns, but I'm hoping they quickly get bored with those. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing some people, um, you know, break through that. And I think school is, you know, where you can, where you have the opportunity to do that. You know, I, I you know, the only time I, um, you know, in my career when I've really done really expressive graphic design is, is either been through a personal passion project, you know, involved with a band or the podcast that I do or something like that or in school, you know. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, educators can, can find opportunities to push their students in, in ways to be, you know, more experimental and um, think about think about a post, you know, marketing advertising world, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, you know, uh, when I went to school, I'm, I'm sure it's well, the same for you and probably most people listening to this, um, you know, you get into graphic design, uh, fundamentals and it's, it's very much about, it's very user centered, um, trying to communicate effectively, right. And all the tools that you need to do that and yeah. all the skills that you need to learn doing that. And I remember halfway through, um, the program, it started to become more, um, I guess, real world focus, which meant it all s takes on a context of advertising and marketing. And you start to kind of, I, I really struggle with this, you know, the idea that I really love that user-centered focus of, of design and, you know, thinking about, um, you know, the end user and how to effectively communicate them to them and solve problems for them. And suddenly everything was cast in an advertising light, which is actually the complete opposite. You know, you're not solving user problems. You're basically trying to convince them, you know, of, of a, you know, how they should feel or, you know, portray a brand in a certain way. It's very much a one-way conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think my advice to, to, to educators and, and to uh, programs would be, you know, th think about, what graphic design is outside of the box of marketing and advertising and as much as possible, you know, give, 
give assignments and criteria for success and evaluation based as much as you can outside of that and make it more user centered um, as opposed to, you know, brand or marketing centered. And, uh, you know, think about it being a two way conversation. You know, this actually leads um, into uh, another question I had. So I'll just I'll just go down this this way. Um, so I've gone to a number of senior shows and portfolio reviews, mm-hmm. and I'm always amazed at the amount of print assignments print advertising assignments that are on display, um, given that the changes in communications in just in the past five years, this startles me. So, Mm -hmm. um, before you started working in at in-house for Dell, you've worked at a few different digital agencies. So I'm curious as to what the most common type of work clients ask for at a digital agency now. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think it's mostly still, to this point, it's marketing-oriented websites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you may get into, um, you know, sort of a more of a corporate uh, enterprise site, which starts to have more f- utility to it. But the vast uh, amount of work that I've done in my career, I think, if you really boil it down, you know, it's some it's some form or fashion of a marketing website. You know, uh, either campaign-related or uh, maybe a platform for a certain, for a brand that, you know, is, is, uh, maybe, you know, they can put mul- multiple marketing campaigns in and put product information into, but, you know, I think that's speaking for myself, the majority of the work that mm-hmm. I've done, um, you know, there's a huge opportunity now with, um, you know, since the, since the iPhone and, and, and the popularity of Android that there's all of these, you know, opportunities to create products now that yeah. I don't think we had before. Um, so, and that's really exciting to me and that's the kind of direction that I would like to see, you know, more students geared towards, um, solving those kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. And I think the marketing work, not that we will stop doing that, but I think it needs to carry value. And, and and I think a product design oriented, um, you know, way of going about solving problems is is, is going to bring value inherently. And once you have that, then you can attach sort of marketing as a secondary piece to that. So, yeah, I mean, um, I think I lost what your original question was. No, no, no. It's like, <laughs> what, what is, what is the work of a digital agency? And you described yeah, yeah, yeah. it right there to a T. Yeah. I mean, and... it's evolving like at happy cog. We have, it was evolved to at least we were no longer, um, in the business of selling static pages, <laughs> right, because um, everything they do is responsive design systems, and that's the way that they phrase it and sell it. It is, um, you know, it's a it's a box of tools basically. You know, mm-hmm. we you're getting a, a design library, right, that's documented in code and it's responsive. You're getting a finite set of of templates, um, but you're also getting education. You're getting training. You're getting uh, consulting on a CMS system to manage all that. Um, you know, you're getting discovery, which is, you know, digging into what are your business problems you're trying to solve and, you know, how, how might the site do that? So I think, you know, even for those kind of marketing corporate website projects, you know, we're at least evolving to a place where, um, you know, it's a little bit more sophisticated and, and broad and it's, you know, less flat for lack of a better term. Yeah. I love that. I've, I've never really stopped and thought about the way you just described what we give clients and that is essentially tools. 
Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to, to stop and whether it's a, a logo or whether it's a an application, you know, a, another to-do app. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it is, <laughs> we are giving them a, a set of tools. I never really thought of it that way. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I, I believe that. I, I, I like to work with the clients to believe that, but they don't always believe that, you know, they yeah. are at least that, that that requires investment on their end, right? Too, it involves them. It, it, they need to be involved. They need to want yeah. to participate. Um, sometimes they don't want to do that. You know, sometimes they want to hire you and and have you go away and solve it and come back and tell them it's the right the right answer and you're an expert and they'll you know they'll basically you know believe that it is the right answer and go about launching it and moving on. Um, but I think that you know there's the flip side of that is more clients need to understand. You know they're getting they're getting a set of tools and they have to be wanting to uh, invest in that and, and learn how to use them, um, play role. Yeah, well, I I think that with just the way rephrasing it as a tool, I mean that means you know you don't just hand something over. That the tool has mm-hmm. to be trained. You have to you have to practice using the tool. And I think that also kind of ties into like you know, what Mike Montero is talking about in design as a job is that, you, you know, it doesn't sell us. You need to sell the tool. You need to sell like This is how mm. this tool, how this is going to make your life easier. And I think if we as educators approached, you know, this website is a tool, this logo is a tool. We, that would also help with, you know, the students being learning how to sell that tool, maybe not sell, but how to train how to show the value of that tool. Yeah. I don't know. I just, for me, that just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, to, um, I think to add on to that, uh, just a little bit of experience um, being at Dell, um, you know, it's a huge company, right? And the website is enormous. Um, they have a huge design library, responsive design library built on Bootstrap. Mm-hmm. And they have a, um, a team, a governance team. And I'm sure most large corporations are headed this way that have design teams of a dozen or so people whose job it is to govern that design library. So they document new components. There's a meeting weekly that if you have a new uh, component that you'd like to, that you're working on, that you'd like to have added to the library, you can present it to the, to the, um, to the group and people sort of debate it, whether or not we need to add it, not add it. You know, uh, if you have, issues about you don't understand how to use a certain pattern you know you can go to them and consult so you know there's a whole infrastructure starting to grow around this idea of you know clients companies understanding that you know designers are creating tools and that you know it's it's a living breathing thing it's not something that you're gonna finish document in a pdf and then everybody's gonna get it and everything's gonna go great it's gonna need to be adapted and changed and it's going to need to grow and shrink and be refined and you know augmented and explained and it's all you know it's an ongoing process and there's tons of roles that designers you know can play around facilitating facilitating that to happen so i think that's a you know in terms of client services that's an area that needs to be i think explored more i think it's the, the business relationship part of that gets a little fuzzy what does that look like you know mm-hmm. um but i think if if client services and agencies you know are going to survive they're going to have to figure out uh how to do that you know how do you engage past that you know final delivery 
um, to help them take these tools and, and, and continue to use them and grow and either augment their staff or train their staff or, you know, provide the services so that all the work that you put in up front has a chance to be successful long term. Yeah. You know, I want to, I'm going to touch, I'm going to go back to the very first question I asked you. And I met, you mentioned about, um, you know, everything being cookie cutter when you're using a design system, when you're using Mm -hmm. a framework, everything could be, ends up being cookie cutter. And so at Dell, it would have been beneficial for a student to come in knowing how to work with a system. But unfortunately, it stifles creativity. But then if you kind of focus on just training, you know, like creative use of code, if you will, or just Mm -hmm. experiment, experimental, then you lose, you know, you kind of lose that practical knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. And I wrestle with this every semester. I keep bouncing back and forth. I'm a ping pong. Um, do I teach them to like, you know, slowly build up to create their own framework? Or do I just say, screw it and just, you know, let them figure, you know, just like, let's just push the envelope and, you know, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, do you have a preference as somebody who's putting together a design team? You need a good mix. Obviously, I'm looking you know, you, you need to see instincts from people where um, when you're evaluating a project, you can step back and say, these are the opportunities for us to innovate. And those are defined by, you know, unique needs that this customer has, unique, uh, you know, uh, demographic, um, unique content or uh, service that our client is providing. And you need to you know, stand back and say, okay, these are the two or three areas where we're, we think we can do this better than anybody else. And frankly have to do it differently because there's no existing, you know, way to do it. That's going to be as good as it needs to be. Then everywhere else, you know, you need to step back and say, you know, there's existing patterns for all of these that people already understand, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we don't need to innovate everywhere. Um, so let's find the best mix of those and and sort of build it out and get you know provide the skeleton to whatever it is we're we're trying to build here and then interject these areas where you know it makes sense to innovate and i think that's always a struggle i mean it's easier for me saying that than it is to actually execute it because being able to not only identify those areas but everybody agree to them you know and, <laughs> and getting by and that's you know the the right way to go and it's a constant back and forth, you know, there's, um, you're going to have people who are maybe, um, you know, quote, have a, have had a UX title maybe a little longer that probably, especially if it's research oriented, maybe you're going to be pushing towards going with something proven, you know, and conventional, even though it may not solve the problem as well as it should, it's safe and everybody's going to get it. You may have folks who are less than sort of experienced there or, you know, whatever their background is, they're willing to push things a little bit further. And you want to find that mix, you know, as you put a team together, you want to find people that are able to do that individually, but then also kind of collaborate and, um, you know, push on both sides of that. So you can end up in a place that's, it's, you know, highly usable, um, it, it very intuitive, but also, you know, uh, it's innovative, it's delightful. It's, you know, all those great things that we, when you go to a website or you go to mm-hmm. use an app and, um, you know, it impresses upon you. It's probably because there's something about it that's has a has a tinge of innovation to it. 
Yeah. So in, in regards to the, you know, putting together teams. So basically the, the days are gone when someone could expect to be a solo designer and mm. produce everything a client would need. So I mean, even like the best unicorns out there, the mythical designer developer can't meet all the demands of designing and producing a cohesively branded identity, the accompanying interactive responsive websites and a native app. And then I didn't even, what about content strategy, <laughs> user research? Yep, yep, yep. So from your experiences, are students prepared to work in these new team-based approach when they come mm. out of school? You know, I think, you know, I, I think a graphic design education gives you a lot of tools to work with, right? Mm -hmm. I think you get, at the end of the day, most of what we're doing here is visual communication, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we cloak it in other things and it, you know, can get compli more complicated than that. But at the end of the day, we're trying to set expectations for users and deliver on those and be as clear as possible. And most of it's done visually in some form or another. So, you know, graphic design education gives you a lot of range there in terms of your skill set. I think what's missing um, in terms of a team is that it's really hard to learn how to collaborate, I think. Mm -hmm. um, especially in school. I don't know that at least my experience was, uh, you know, anytime you did a team project, it was sort of eyes rolled and groaned um, just because it felt like there were certain students that were really, you know, uh, excelled and, and really invested in and others that weren't and just trying to work through that dynamic became distracting. And um, if there's any way to, um, to restructure that to be mm -hmm. more of a a real workplace you know scenario where you know it's your livelihood you have to be invested if you want to keep your job and hopefully you you've landed here because you're passionate and you end up in scenarios where you know it's it's a true collaboration and you're willing to you know you have respect for the people you're working with and understand that they're bringing skills to the table that you just don't have um, and you're bringing skills to the table that they don't and you can, you know, I think in a professional setting, um, you, you can figure that rhythm out and understand how to work within that. Um, I think a lot of students coming out of school probably haven't had that rich experience yet in terms of collaborating. Yeah. So unless they've done maybe some passion projects or, you know, those sorts of things where that's come into play. But, um, you know, I think that's something that, um, they really need to figure out as soon as possible because you're right. I mean, the days of, uh, you know, one designer doing everything are, are, are gone or should be, should be coming to a close because the problems that we're trying to solve are just, they're just too big. They're just too big for one person. Yeah. Well, you know, I, this was a, a personal aha moment. I was at a conference. It was a design education conference and this woman, I wish for the life of me, I can remember her name. Uh, or the talk of her, the the title of her talk, but in essence, she basically said one comment. She's like, "We throw students into groups, and we tell them to collaborate, mm -hmm. but we never teach them how." Yeah, and I was, it was just like such an aha moment. I was like, "Damn, that was <laughs> really it's that simple. We just need to teach yeah. them how." And and I think that's hard. I mean, because we just throw them together, but they don't realize that two people should do be able to do exponentially more they should be able to do more than just double the work it should be yep. exponentially they should be able to get more done if they work together in a team and i think that 
we definitely need to do a better job. Of, I need to do a better job of it. <laughs> well, at least me. Yeah, it's something that, you know, I find myself with the teams that I work with um, having to step back and make sure that everybody understands their role, you know, on a particular project. Um, and they might be good at something, but on this project, we might not be asking that of them. And that's not to say we don't want that that feedback or, um, you know, th that input. But if it's somebody else's responsibility, we have to give them the, you know, the freedom to make the call at the end of the day. And you have to be responsible for what, you know, your piece of it is. Um, I think just being clear about roles is, is really important in those situations. And, you know, not only in, as a student, but, but in, in professionally, because, you know, we have a tendency, um, you know, to kind of get a bunch of designers together. And even though we have different backgrounds, we all sort of, um, you know, it's easy to start stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. And then it becomes, well, you know, you start to pull, pull back a little bit because you're like, well, they're taking care of that, you know, and, oh, well, they did that part. So I guess I don't need to worry about it. And then, you know, from a, manager kind of standpoint or director standpoint i'm looking at like okay there's a huge deficiency here in this project because everybody's assuming somebody else is doing it and really nobody's doing it so being really clear about roles i guess is, is one of the the things i try to try to stick to even to um you know there's some friction sometimes with yeah. that you know i've done that uh in the past and i've had people push back and say well on this project i want to i want to be able to do this or that or i haven't done enough of this recently and I want to do it now and you know it's it, sometimes you just you got to do what's right for the project um you know we want to all grow in different directions but uh you know we got to do it uh in the context of creating great work and you know sometimes you need to to, to have a role and, and understand what that is so you can focus on it and make sure that you knock that out of the park yeah um wow it time's been flying i didn't realize where we're at at um i could be <laughs> talking about this stuff all night but i don't want to keep doing that to you so um i'm gonna kind of wrap up here with a one or two more questions but they're probably big ones so, mm. um okay so hopefully we can hopefully they're not so when i was doing my research i, I came across an interview you did with the makers of the envision app mm -hmm. um and i found it on their blog in the interview, you discussed a lot of things, but what caught my interest is how much has changed in the, the design process. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the things common to both print and interactive design, such as, you know, the discovery phrase, um, the brainstorming, the sketching, the visual comps and final delivery. Now the process includes wireframing, style tiles, development, user testing, performance testing, limited public betas, um, <laughs> And, and and the designer is now involved in each one of those stages. Yep. So, I mean, can you describe what the typical design process looks like now at a digital agency? Am I like off the mark here? No, I, I think um, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Like I mentioned, I'm, I'm taking on a new role and mm -hmm. it's a it's a small company that's going to need to build a team. So, you know, process is going to be huge. And even though I've, I've only been at Dell for uh, seven, eight months, um, that has been pretty eye-opening for me because uh, I've never worked uh, client-side before, and the ability that that you have in that in that in that position to understand your customer mm -hmm. and to iterate on ideas is something that that just doesn't exist in the 
uh, agency world, and I think it needs to. So my perspective right now on process is, is probably, you know, 180 from where it was even a year ago. Um, so right now, you know, I think, you know, it's really important to understand who your, who your user is um, and, and getting as much research as you can. Um, there is really important, but maybe even more important than that is really doing the research to figure out and get everybody on board with what problem are we trying to solve and what is the outcome that we want. You know, that's something that thinking back on my career has been just not very well distilled. You know, you kind of get into a project Well, we're building a new website. Okay. Well, it's this type of company, so I guess they need these sorts of things on their website, you know. And they, the client said they want this and they want that, so let's give them this and that. It, you know what I mean? It's not a really mm -hmm. critical look at what is the purpose of this website and how does it help somebody, even if it's a marketing website. Like, what role does it play to them, and what problems does it solve? Sometimes problems a big word, but you kind of you know what I mean. Yo, no, and. And what, and more importantly, what is the outcome of this? Like, what are we hoping to get? Like, what do we want to see from a, from a real data standpoint? You know, what evidence do we need to see to know that this was successful? Um, so I'm really approaching it from that regard, starting, you know, and being very critical about that, then working into, um, writing user stories, you know, mm -hmm. breaking down all the different ideas that you have about how to solve all the different problems that might exist, a uh, customer might have, um, all the different users that might be involved in the site, um, and then getting into paper and pencil and just sketching those out um, and, and trying to prototype as quickly as possible with the intent that, you know, you want to make your way through those stories quickly, but also figure out in the process, which ones are most valuable, you know, which ones are aligned to the outcome that we're wanting, um, and, and which ones aren't and which ones are desirable and which ones, you know, are going to be effective and getting those into a prototype or some form or another that you can, you can test having access to data that kind of can prove whether or not some of these are valuable, getting that refined down. And then from there, I, I really want to be moving to a point where, um, we're not doing much on paper. Um, you know, we're not creating stacks of, of documentation. You know, we're, we're, it's difficult, but you know, I, I want to find a good prototyping tool that everybody can, can jump into and, and understand. And I want to build things and, and be testing them along the way. And then, you know, client reviews turn into, you know, working prototypes. Maybe, you know, it's not the full, it's not the full application or the full website, but it's, those based on those stories and that problem solving and it's you know functioning prototypes to articulate this is our idea we've put it in front of people and we've already adjusted it people get it you know we're in a good place and and that's what i would want to be sort of the the client review process to be like mm -hmm. you know um instead of hey here's our idea we've been doing this a really long time we're really smart you should trust us it's going to work <laughs> You know, yeah. in six months when we're done with this and we launch the site, we promise it, it'll, it's going to work. So <clears throat> I think, you know, myself, I think you're seeing, um, you know, big companies drive that kind of problem solving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's no secret that, um, 
you know, corporations are hiring tons of designers and building design teams. And they're all employing some kind of process that's similar to that, where you're you know, sketching ideas and you're, you're, you have access to your customers and you're testing those to figure out what's effective and, and what isn't. And uh, I think agencies need to do that. And I think just as a design process, I think that's fundamentally where everybody, I hope, you know, starts to head so that, you know, it's more geared around, um, it's more just geared around problem solving and, and effective communication. Yeah, no, I mean, I've got one statement and then a follow-up short, this is an actual short question. But that statement is, this is where I, I, I struggle with design education and particularly I assign a project and that project is already the solution to the problem. I mean, so all we're really asking mm. them to do is visually um, be creative, visually be problem solvers. And I'll, I'll use Adam, Sean Adams uh, mentioned this for Adams Marioka. Um, VH1 came to them. VH1 said, this is back in um, the nine in the, early 90s maybe mid 90s where they were having a very low viewership and vh1 came to adams morioka and said you know we need a rebrand to bring up viewership and uh adams morioka said yeah we could give you a band-aid but that's not going to fix the problem mm -hmm. we don't know what your problem is and they actually ended up going back to vh1 saying your your problem is not your branding your problem is your programming mm. wow. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great and, and but we don't, but I mean, but the way traditional education works, it doesn't work that way. So it's mm -hmm. like, does you need to design this website for this daycare center um, because they need to, because they need more enrollment. Well, is the website going to get more enrollment? Yeah. <laughs> it might just be, they're in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's, that's, yeah, that's a great point. And I just don't think we teach that, that problem solving the way that you just described it. Yeah, I mean, most of my career has been we we need a website, okay, you know, and then you you work backwards from that, and yeah. when you, what you start to find out is, well, maybe it, you didn't need a website, maybe you needed this or that, or you know, it, that's um, I think that's starting to happen a little bit more than it used to, but yeah, I would love to see um, you know, students challenged in that way, you know, yeah. just given problems and and you know you you know, come back with what you think the solutions are and work from that point as opposed to proposing what the, what the medium is, you know? Yeah. Well, this is the, the short question and it had to, it came up with, um, the prototyping when you mentioned it. Mm -hmm. So then I mean, for everybody who's, you know, listening to this, the envision where I read the thing is an, is an application used to create everything from wireframes to animations, even full on prototypes for both mobile and computer operating systems. Um, I bring this up because the Adobe tools are no longer the sole tools used in the interactive design industry. I mean, mm -hmm. you even said, you like, I want to get to a prototype as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And so applications like Sketch, Framer, UXPin, InVision have, you know, gone from obscurity to, you know, they're possibly like the tools of choice. Mm -hmm. um, so in design education is still teaching, are we still teaching the right tools with sticking to the Adobe suite? Well, there there are some some options within the Adobe Suite that are that are less popular, but and and there's been changes with Photoshop recently that that are helping. But I think the short answer is no. I mean, 
we're seeing a huge influx of prototyping tools. I think in the last couple of years, it's just yeah. an explosion of all. I mean, I can't even keep, you know, it's my job to keep track of them. I, I can't, can't. Keep track of them. <laughs> and none of them are perfect, you know, uh, but they're really exciting. And the thing that I love about them is that if nothing else, the better ones are looking at one of two things. They're giving you the opportunity to design moments in time, right? Mm-hmm. So Envision does that. It, it takes what you know about your favorite application for comping, but it quickly allows you to jump into a prototype that makes you think about those moments in time. You know, yeah. those decisions that a user makes to to get to you know a a, a, a solution that they're that they're that they're going for. Um, the other thing that they do uh, is that a lot of them are now allowing you to design and lay out and, and then play more importantly than anything in a f- flexible browser like mm-hmm. uh, st- uh, canvas, right? So whether it be Webflow or uh, Macaw or <laughs> Just in Mind, there's a bunch out there that allow you to more closely, you know, experiment and lay out in a organic, responsive, flexible grid, you know, platform, as opposed to Photoshop, where all of that is, you know, theoretical. Like, I think this is, you know, this is the way I think it'll work. And you sort of do a bunch of layouts and mentally, you know, in terms of the responsive stuff. But even more importantly, like, you're not really pushing, um, or you're not being inspired, I guess, by by the canvas because it's a different canvas. So yeah. like if you work in a browser, either through, you know, just coding um, and, and, and looking at your results in a browser or working a tool that's more browser like, and you will come up with ideas that you wouldn't have in, in Photoshop. You will mm-hmm. see things by accident. You didn't intend to see that are going to spur, you know, new ideas you wouldn't have had otherwise. So yeah. those two things in the, in a lot of the tools that I'm seeing, are really making me excited that you know we're gonna. This is gonna lead to probably a new Adobe. I don't know who that's gonna be or what that's gonna be, but yeah. at least a a tool set that's more native to to digital. Yeah, and I, I there's nobody who can argue designer can argue the fact that it's these new prototype these new tools let you design in context, mm-hmm. and where you like you said Illustrator and Photoshop don't let you in design don't let you design in the context for web, uh, mm-hmm. for devices. So, all right. Well, you know, thank you. I know we're, we're coming up on time here. So Jason, before I let you go, is there anything yep. you are working on that you'd like to share or promote, or maybe a final piece of advice you'd like to give design educators to help prepare students? Uh, in terms of what I'm working on, uh, mm-hmm. I think you mentioned the podcast already, yes. diggingoutpodcast.com. Yeah. Uh, if you're, and if you're a music nerd, check that out. Um, work, you know, design-wise, I'm really ex- excited about the new company I'm joining. Context and what's the Digital. Context Digital is that still in? Are you? You're still in Austin, right? I'm going to be in Austin. The company's going to be okay. remote and somewhat based in Ohio. So um, we're nice. going to be virtual yeah. teams. Yeah, so that'll be new. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, spooling up all the tools that we're going to need to pull that off. So. Uh, yeah, we're going to be um, working on some exciting stuff and uh, probably hiring some folks. So if uh, people want to check out the website or check me out, um, jzek at 
contextdigital.com. Send me an email, a resume. Um, so that'll be that'll be cool. That's um, kind of where I'm focused on right now. All right, great. Um, so that's all we have time for today on episode seven of Design Edu today. I want to thank today's guest. Jason Ziak for being so generous with his time. I want to thank the audience for listening and the Design EDU Today web hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit us on the web at designedu.today. You can also follow us on Twitter at designedu today, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes store. Thank you for listening to Design EDU Today.